Turn with me now in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14. As you're turning, I do remind you that tonight is going to be very important. And I hope you will come back at 6 o'clock. God bless you for turning in your Bibles now to Exodus 14. And let's see the Word of God together. One verse, verse 13. But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Pray with me. Lord, this is an awesome plan that Moses gave to the Israelites. And by your spirit, the word he wrote thousands of years ago becomes active and relevant to us today. So take your word and by your anointing, impact it to our hearts until it becomes useful in transforming us, strengthening us, maturing us so that we are equipped for a year of opportunity to be on this plan. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you know the story, they are at the Red Sea. For hundreds of years, the Israelites have cried out for deliverance, and finally God, hearing their cry, sends Moses, and through the activity of God, Pharaoh lets the people go. But the Bible says right here in this chapter that Pharaoh changed his mind, gathered his army, and sent all of them, the Bible says, so that he could recapture the Israelites, bringing them back, continuing the bondage, continuing the captivity. So you have the Israelites at the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh and his army fastly approaching behind them. Their backs are against the wall. They can't go left or right. They are hemmed in. And the Bible says the Israelites panicked. They were overtaken with fear. In any time we are overtaken in fear, we then start working out the worst case scenario. Or you'll find in the verses just before verse 13. He said, uh, didn't we tell you this would happen, Moses? You brought us out here to die because there aren't graves enough in Egypt. Why did you do this? The New Living Translation records them as saying, why didn't you just leave us alone? Amazing their response they had cried out for deliverance, and now you, you hear this. You see, when people are in fear, they move into this, this worst-case scenario, and then they become very sarcastic. You know, you, it was better in Egypt. How sarcastic, how cynical. You should have left us alone. Worst-case scenario, you brought us out here to die. Now, rather than bringing a message of any kind of condemnation to them or anyone who's ever done that, uh, I just want to be an encourager because I realize how many times I worked the plan the Israelites were on. Come into a circumstance and fear rises in my heart and it becomes like a spirit of fear, like a net dropping over my mind. And then in high definition, I play out these scenarios. The movie just unfolds across my mind and it ends in disaster. 
You know, they say that 90% of what we worry about will never happen. However, I have worked on the 90% with great precision. And as I work out the scenario, I realize how cynical and sarcastic I become negative and even fight bitterness. That's the Israelites. And Moses, being the great leader that he was, like a coach who realizes that the momentum is shifting, calls a timeout and gathers their focus and says, new plan. And the new plan is what we read there in verse 13. And he's the first person who ever introduced the triangle offense. He said to them, fear not. And as we accomplish that, because that's challenging. It's easy to fear not once the Red Sea is parted, you've crossed on dry ground, and then the sea has collapsed on the enemy, and the word is, the enemy you see today, you will see no more forever. Oh, happy day. I'm talking about how do you fight off the fear when Pharaoh is approaching and the Red Sea is in front of you and it looks impossible. It looks like it's over. Is is it possible to capture fearful thinking and bring that into some type of peace in your heart? Once we work that, it then feeds into our ability to do the second thing Moses encourage them, and that is to stand. And once we gather this, this inner steadfastness, this positioning of our focus, we begin to lift up our eyes. King James says, and see the salvation of the Lord. Fear not, stand, see the salvation of the Lord. Another translation says, expect a miracle. I like that. When I am in a spirit of fear, I'm emotionally out of balance and can't open my mind to the possibilities of how God may help me. I don't open my mind to the fact that God has a track record of helping people when their back is against the wall. But once I work the fear not stand, then I begin to expect a miracle and then it comes back to encouraging my resolve to fear not and stand until I see the salvation of the Lord. Fear not. Fear not. I don't know what you're facing right now that would like to overtake you with fear and is it possible to capture those thoughts of fear so that you can live in the peace of God, stand strong and expect God to work. There's a workable lead as we study the scripture We know that one of the major themes of the Bible is to fear not. Another major theme is about who God is. Putting them together, you realize the more you know who God is and the knowledge of God grows, fear diminishes. That's why you often see the writers of the Old Testament referring to who God is. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my present help in the time of need. The Lord is my light. Many are they that rise up against me, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You are my glory. You are the lifter, the deliverer. 
as knowledge of God grows, fear diminishes. Is it possible to move from, from a fearful mode to a fear not mode? Well, to work the biblical plan, then the knowledge of God has to grow in order for me to live with a sense of peace and a stance in the time of adversity so that I can open my heart to what God wants to do. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He's the final amen. He's the ancient of days. He's the bread of life. He's the word of life. He's the resurrection and the life. He is majestic. He is mighty. He is all-powerful. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And as I grow in who he is, fear diminishes, and then I start sensing a resolve, a, a certain stance. And that's what Moses said, fear not, stand. Ephesians says, put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now when Moses says to the Israelites, stand, it wasn't just something physical, it was something that would happen in their heart. It was a stance of the heart and the mind. When Paul says to put on the armor of God that you may stand, it's not just, you know, quit sitting down, stand up. It's not just physical. It's an inner work as you put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the boots of the gospel of peace. Something happens and you gain a stance, a, a certain positioning in your heart that can have a physical impact. When I started my master's degree in 2005, I would go to Lakeland, Florida every month for one week. And I stayed at this hotel that was right near I-4. Went out of my hotel one evening, went on a jog, came through a neighborhood, came up to a bridge that went over I-4 and it was under construction. The part that you drive on was what they were focused on and they had barricaded that part. But there was part of the bridge, about a six foot part of the concrete bridge that went out from the barricade so you, I could just keep on running. However, when I went running across the bridge, quickly, all of those cars on I-4, I could see them out of the corner of my eye. And as I'm running and seeing those cars, it starts messing with my mind. I start feeling weird. I found myself moving over to the, closer to the barricade and thinking I should walk. No, I should crawl. I literally thought, I can't do this. And then I shifted my mind to think about how often I would jog on a sidewalk. It was far more narrower than what I was running on. Matter of fact, you could draw a 12 inch wide line on this platform and every one of us could probably walk on it with no problem. And I was running on something very wide and yet I was feeling this internal disequilibrium, this, this lack of balance. But as I captured my thoughts, something happened on the inside and I found myself overcoming that fear. You see, as you work on the fear, it moves into a place, you start sensing that ability to stand. One picture you get when you study the word stand in, in the Old and New Testament is that of the athlete, like a football player that's going up to the line, realizing there's, there's an enemy, there's adversity, but you take your stance, you're ready. When you move out of fear mode to fear not mode, that's what happens in your heart. Peter says, resist the devil and be steadfast. 
The Bible over and over again tells us to take our stand. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may take your stand. It's so you're poised, ready, abiding to move as the opportunity comes. All of which we miss if we're overcome with fear. Fear shuts us down emotionally, internally. Shuts us down from thinking God thoughts and capturing the activity of God that is happening around us. So, fear not. Stand. Expect a miracle. Think about Moses. Think about these Israelites. They've come up now and they're right at the Red Sea. I hope that as you face your Red Sea, that your mind would open to the truth of God's record of showing up when your back is against the wall. I mean, study the scripture, the fiery furnace, the lion's den, the widow who thought she had just enough to prepare one last meal for her and her son, and then they would die, and she ends up realizing she has more than enough. The sack lunch that fed a multitude. Peter, who walked on the water. The supernatural intervention of God that allowed people to be and do what otherwise they could never be and do. God has this kind of track record. Hey, I say to us, what's the next miracle that God has in the making for us as a church? For you as a follower of Christ. See, I want us to think that way. I want us to live this year at inspired inspired by a God who has a track record of doing the miraculous. You think it's too far gone, but God. You think there's no way, but God. You think you're not going to make it, but God. God who is powerful. God who is able. God who has a track record of making a way where there seems to be no way. Be inspired by the presence and the power of God. Like Moses, I want to call a huddle today. Call a timeout and say, don't let the momentum shift. The enemy is not going to overtake us. The enemy is not more powerful than our God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Fear not. Stand and expect a miracle. God is going to do what he is designed to do. Get inspired. We're on God's team and God has a plan. I want to work this plan. I have... I can tell you story after story of getting in the freak-out mode. Going, oh no, what's going to happen? Playing out the scenario. I, I prefer fear not mode. Standing. And then letting it enter my mind that God is able. I don't know how he'll do the miracle. The Israelites have ever thought... God would send a wind and stack the water up on the left and right so that they could walk across on dry ground. No one had that idea. They had just opened their mind to the possibility of God's salvation, that he is a deliverer. For Moses, what was it like? He had the Passover miracle, now he has the parting of the waters miracle. For the Israelites, what was it like? They had the Passover miracle, Now they have the parting of the waters miracle. You see, God was writing Moses' story. God was writing their story. God is writing our story. And I wonder, what is the next miracle in our story? It's good to reflect at times, 
Because we review where God made a way where there didn't seem to be a way. As you look back on 2009, do you see evidences of God's grace in your life? Anybody? Do you see evidences where God made a way? He, he did it. To God be the glory because he did it. Man, the enemy tried to overcome you with fear, but yet you worked through the power and the knowledge of God to a fear-not mode. You gathered your positioning, your stance, and you saw God do something that only God could do. What's the next miracle in the making for your story, for our story? It was one year ago that I was introduced to you on this Sunday, and we initiated this journey together. And I look back over 2009 and recall the rich presence of God in this place. Sunday after Sunday, gathering after gathering. I recall times around these altars where the presence and the power of God were so strong. God is still alive. God is still working. God is active among his people. God is still parting the waters and letting his people move forward. Hallelujah. I recall the people who God brought into this church just amazing the growth of the church in 2009 and those people being assimilated into the fabric of who this church is and where God is taking us only God can do that only God can do that finding 55 acres three and a half miles from here now it is Summit Park we own it God is doing great things just an amazing work of God hallelujah every Christian school that I know of struggled in 2009 with a decline in enrollment but our school grew in enrollment amazing that's just a testimony 70% of all churches in America suffered a 20% decline in their budget this church grew financially hallelujah I want you to sense that there is a work there is an activity of God among us and in a year like 2009 we were bold enough to put our faith into action and pledge, listen to this, right at a half million dollars above tithe that we can be generous to missionaries and to mission agencies like the Gideons, like these different things that we have raised before you so that we can resource them to the best of our ability, a half million dollars that will be sown into the kingdom of God. I say to you, God is still doing miracles. So fear not, stand and expect the activity and help of God in your life. That's the story of us, and I could say many more. But this is the question, what's the next miracle for us as a faith family? What is the next miracle for you? It's one of the things I got for Christmas. It's a pen, but not just another pen. It has a camera. And every word that I write is videoed. It has a recorder so that if I ask it to, it will record the conversation that is going on. Then I can easily upload it right to the computer and I can see the document. And I can literally punch on a word and if I was recording the conversation, I can hear the conversation that was going on at that moment. It's amazing. I'd like to sell you one right after this service. And as I have been learning it and working it over the holidays, 
because I'm going to use it in staff meeting. Never again will there be, I don't remember you saying that. Oh, let me. <laughs> Pray for the team. They may learn to hate my pen. Hallelujah, God. Your life is going to record the next chapter. We're going to write the next chapter as a church. And the question is, will we pull out a fear-based pen and in a spirit of fear write out worst case scenarios capturing even the audio of that kind of negative talk We're not going to make it how can we do it why are we doing this there is no way becoming cynical and sarcastic or will we pull out the faith based pen that is in fear not mode and we began to write according to our belief in a God who still does miracles. And by the end of the year, you look back over the story of living out of faith, standing strong and expecting a miracle. And I wonder the miracles that are in your future that you will give testimony to one year from today because you decided to be on Moses' plan and not the Israelites' plan. And notice that the miracle is not only for our deliverance, but it becomes a message to those who are watching, trying to discern, is God God? Is God real? Is God working? You see, on in the story... When Joshua takes the mantle of leadership and God says, now send some spies, it's time to take the promised land. Those spies encounter a very sinful, far from God woman by the name of Rahab. And in conversation with Rahab, it was the Red Sea miracle that became a turning point of her heart giving allegiance to God. This Miracle for the Israelites to move across and their enemy to be destroyed contained in it the life-changing influence on the heart of Rahab and then her story starts being rewritten until she shows up in the lineage of Jesus and in the hall of fame of faith. So what is the next miracle for us? And whose life will be totally revolutionized because of that miracle. Do you see, we not only need the miracle because we need to move forward. We need the miracle because it's going to be a message to those who are lost. That we're not serving a God who is dead or distant. We're serving a God who is alive, personal, and speaking at work in our lives. We can talk about the Red Sea miracle and we can talk about the miracle in our own lives and in our own church. Inspiration is powerful. And what I think happened as they moved out of fear and they took their stance, an inspiration overtook them. I don't want to live an uninspired life. 
I don't want to go through the, be part of the legions of the unjazzed. I want to live inspired. Our God is a mighty God. Our God is a shepherd. Our God is a friend. Our God is a help. Our God is a strong tower. Our God is a refuge. Our God is a pavilion. Our God is glory. Our God is great. Our God is with us. And I want to live out of that inspiration, believing for the activity of God that would be a witness to a watching world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I ask you to consider today the opportunity to write with that faith filled pen. And at the end of the story will be this line For the horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. For God has made a way where there seemed to be no way. To God be the glory. And as they did, once they passed through the Red Sea, they worshiped. With, with a passion, they worshiped. You see, when God is working freshly in our lives, there's passion and praise to a God who's working now. How, what would Jesus do and what did Jesus do? How about what is Jesus doing? What is he doing right now? What is he doing in your life? What is he doing in the life of this church? Let's identify the activity, miracle, working power of God. And let's praise out of a passion for God who's working here and now. He's alive. Even now, the Lord is in this room by the presence of the Holy Spirit. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you need. He's able to meet that need. He's able to stir a spirit of newness with you. Oh, I feel something in my heart right now. Zechariah, he was challenging the people that they needed to get on with the purpose of God, the rebuilding of the temple. It was taking so long that there was a weariness that had set in among the people. And he came and and had a way of communicating, if you'll just stay with it, and stay with the purpose of God, you will see it completed. If you're weary today, if if there's a fatigue in your spirit, if you're tired spiritually because you've prayed and you've held on to God, you've tried to expect the miracle. I say to you by the word of the Lord, don't give up and don't give in. The reason Moses tells them to stand is because in the day of trial, many break ranks and run. They leave important relationships. They leave the church. They get cynical and sarcastic and bitter. Don't break ranks. Don't run. Stay with it. You will reap if you faint not. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Stay with it. Stay with the focus God has given you and see the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Get inspired by the presence and the power of God. Today is decision day. I want to make this statement and I believe it with all my heart. God's greatest miracles are in front of us. Do you believe that? Don't let circumstance change your theology. We believe in a God who's able. But when we get into a tough time and our back is against the wall, that's when we're challenged to change our theology and reduce the theology of our God according to our circumstance. I say, in the time of trial, keep your focus. God is with you. God is working. God is going to make 
away. The very nature of God is that he is a way maker. For Adam and Eve who royally messed up, God moved into action to make a way. For Abraham and the promise of being the father of many nations, God had to make a way. For Moses, as he came up to the Red Sea, God made a way. When David faced Goliath, God made a way. For the widow of Zarephath, God made a way. For the multitude in the New Testament that needed to be fed and all they had was a sack lunch, God made a way. When all of us needed a redeemer, Jesus came from heaven to earth, earth to the cross, cross to the grave, and from the grave he arose, and God made a way. The nature of God is that of a way maker. Church, expect a miracle. Hallelujah. So today is decision day. The greatest miracles are in front of us. We need to get on this plan, the fear not stand, expect a miracle plan. Life is hard. So let's get a new plan. This plan. It's fear not time. It's stand firm time. It's expect a miracle time. It's get stirred up in your heart. Attach your faith to a God who's still in control. And the things of this culture do not change him. And do not intimidate him. He's not up there insecure on how he's going to work it out. I'm telling you, God is in control. Praise his name.